0: Today's podcast is brought to you by our new website, just kidding, but you should really go see some of the new changes we've made for a hopefully easier navigating experience. We've been building a comprehensive page for each national park that collects all of the video, podcasting, photos, and highlights that we have shared about each national park into just one concise page. It's our hope that our website becomes a resource for people planning their own national park adventures rather than just reading about ours. We're also rolling out several ebooks this fall. The first will be about how to visit Utah's five national parks, the Mighty Five, in true Switchbacks fashion. If you want to stay up to date with all of the new resources we're working on, be sure to sign up for our newsletter at the top of our website. See you over at SwitchbackKids.com. Now enjoy the show. Welcome to Switchbacks, a travel podcast where we reflect on our year visiting all 59 U.S. national parks.
1: Whether you are planning to visit your very first park or you bleed gray and green, we are here to share our insights on exploring, understanding, and loving America's best idea.
0: Thanks for tuning in. Today we're chatting about two parks that protect some of the most unique plant life in the country. how is your chocolate milk
1: it's delicious as always it's actually almond chocolate milk chocolate almond milk
0: how is my life dating a 12 year old
1: (laughs) (laughs) 12 year olds don't aren't sophisticated enough to drink almond milk because their wives don't buy it for them is that
0: what balances out the 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 nasty chocolate syrup
1: Okay, what are you drinking, Miss Old Lady? Pinky up, pretentious old lady.
0: Pinkies up. Green tea. It's quite delicious, and it's quite um, age-appropriate.
1: You sound like you're trying too hard. That's what I think. So,
0: <laughs> so <laughs> let's move on. It's Monday. Our brains are have been totally muddied by the, uh, bat the three hours of the Bachelorette <laughs> we just watched. So pardon. Are you an hour. really
1: admitting that right now? Oh yeah,
0: I'm. I'm admitting. I've I've admitted that before.
1: Yeah, but I like. To, <laughs> I don't know. I, don't I like I've, to keep it on the down. I don't low. think
0: I've thrown you under the bus before.
1: Yeah. Anyway. How's it
0: feel? <laughs> There's the bus. It,
1: it's usually when it gets down to the end of the season. Uh, because we're experts, you know, I can talk about this. It's really boring, but this last episode was actually one of the most interesting as far as finales. Um, yeah, it was But crazy. that didn't mean I liked it or anything. Yeah, right. Bachelorette stinks.
0: I'm not convinced.
1: <laughs> so we were in Chicago this weekend. Yeah, let's talk about weekend. something that's... <laughs> Not trying to change the topic or anything.
0: Yeah, Chicago was great. We only spent about 24 hours there, but we did a lot. We fit a lot in.
1: Yeah, so the highlight, honestly, was the uh, tour down the Chicago River just going through the middle of all the skyscrapers on this really touristy arch- sightseeing boat that had a you know guy telling us all about the architecture of the city yeah
0: it's a really popular activity it's one of the it's always like on the top 10 list of things you should do in chicago and so we thought it would you know we thought it was going to be really touristy we weren't sure if we would you know think it was gimmicky or if we would but we loved it oh my gosh and i would highly recommend it highly 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 recommend it
1: it's called the shoreline architecture tour free plug and it was. Yeah, I
0: wish we we did we did not have to pay for it. So out of pocket, it was. It, Cole hadn't a work activity, so it, we. I don't think that changed much though, because I think we definitely would have paid thirty five bucks each definitely. for it.
1: Well, the last time we went two weeks ago, you were planning to put it on our itinerary, but I got you to hold off because we were doing it for and free with work back? this time. Yeah, but. The second thing we did the next day was go to Chicago's one and only, brand new, as of 2015, National Historic Site, Pullman National Historic it's Site. It's
0: Pullman National Monument.
1: National Monument. i told you
0: this 17 times. <laughs> it is a, it's more of a historic site, though. It's not just one. I think they, I don't know why it's, I don't know all the rules about the designations exactly, but it's It's called Pullman National Monument, um, but it protects like a, a, group of historic museums and uh, like a neighborhood the state historic sites and there are all these private things already in place but what the national park has done is kind of unified their messages to create one um sort of woven together story
1: yeah so i'll try and see if i can put describe it in 30 seconds or less here basically you. okay one minute or less here I'm still timing <laughs> five minutes no uh, basically pullman is a guy who got into the railroad car business and became famous for his luxury railroad cars that every all the railroad lines used and he decided to create uh, his factory in chicago and do a social experiment where he had all of his workers Meaning the factory workers, the Pullman porters, everybody involved with the cars live, eat, and recreate in in the same Pullman town. It was all like a company town.
0: A planned community. And it was the first planned industrial community, I think, you know, based around this, this uh, workforce.
1: Yeah. So right? it was a really novel idea, interesting social experiment. And... You know, it really taught the country some interesting lessons. Everybody was paying attention to how this would go uh, because the people bought all their stuff from company stores, their food. They went to church on the company property. The congregations leased the the building, the church that the company had built. Uh, and, I, <laughs>
0: I'm just kidding. Keep going.
1: Anyway, there's all this historic stuff. Um, there's the church still there, the factory, the hotel, the all the historic houses, and then a museum of the whole time period of the Pullman Company and a museum of the Pullman Porters, which uh, the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters, which was made up of, of Pullman Porters, was the first black uh, labor union or minority labor union in the country. So that was a fascinating Mm -hmm. chapter of the Pullman story for sure. Uh, And that had a whole museum in itself. And what I loved is that the whole community, we did a little walking tour with the Rangers, the whole community rallied to get this area protected because they just love the history so much. And they are still to this day, a very tight community uh, going back to those days when they were all working for the Pullman company mm-hmm.
0: yeah and I, I think that what we've seen in the last few years at least with the National Park Service is that they' they are um, deeming these sort of cultural historic sites as important and I think they tell a slightly different story than what you what you see at a lot of other historic sites with um, you know presidential homes and battlefields and, and whatnot um, it's it's just a very different aspect of history that I don't really know very much about because we don't learn very much about it in school, um, about these, especially with, especially as far as the, um, diversity of America and, um, stories of women and minorities and, um, you know, people who weren't, I didn't have as much privilege as, (laughs) as a lot of the other, uh, people that you normally hear about. So I think sharing these stories, um, through through the national park through this this whole government um entity is really important and i think that's what we've seen in the last few years and um it just it just gives a much broader picture of a, a broader scope of american history and i think it's important for everyone to be able to look to a national park and see a little bit of their own history and something that even if it's a struggle you know it might not be a huge celebration but it's something that they can um recognize amen yeah
1: that's beautiful
0: so <laughs> that being said we really enjoyed uh pullman national monument we'd highly suggested. It. it's about 30 minutes outside of chicago south of chicago um very informative and they're building a new museum and so they had the, the kind of the renderings for that um that they're in the planning process so mm-hmm. it should be really really spiffy pretty soon um yeah, anything else to add about Chicago? We love Chicago. We love our little Midwest uh, metropolis.
1: Yeah, it was it was a great stop again. Feel like I'm getting to know it a little bit each time we we stop in. Not you don't need very long there because it's big, crowded, and
0: and we get I get stressed out.
1: You definitely I do. I Pull all my hair out
0: <laughs> when we go to Chicago and I have to drive.
1: But it is fun. It's too many people. Anyway. But it's
0: good. It's great.
1: Let's talk about a couple places where there were not nearly as many people, uh, especially because for both, we kind of went in the off-season. Um, first. Yeah, first.
0: Parks in the News. So, uh, this is, again, it's not a quiz this week. I know Cole's so disappointed that I, he doesn't <laughs> have to showcase his failures. Um, I, will, I will come back with a quiz at some point, I promise.
1: Good. Believe I can't me? wait.
0: Okay, but this is an interesting article I saw, and I thought it kind of tied into our plant theme of today, um, but so if you uh, aren't super in tune with the national parks or, you know, you don't follow some people on Instagram that have, are, have been visiting the national parks, um, Hawaii, Hawaii volcanoes on the big island of Hawaii is, um, is just blowing up right now
1: literally did it
0: <laughs>
1: yeah the volcano it is spewing kilauea right yeah
0: kilauea is a really good time to be in hawaii volcanoes national park because of um, because kilauea is is the volcano is actively spewing and you can go and see um, you can access that which when we visited we could there was no access point to where yeah. you could see any lava we could see from the um, the jagger museum you, we could see the the glow
1: yeah, that's lava, about but that's all, we all we got. There was a lot—a lake of lava really down deep in this crater, and we. So s- we've been yeah. so
0: jealous of all these people sh- sharing Super pictures. Super jealous. But I read this article today, and the headline is um, "Let me let me find it." It's an LA Times article, and it, the headline was "Kilauea is still spewing, but there are rarer sites at Hawaii Volcanoes National Park." And so I was like, "Oh, what's like what's cooler than Kilauea?" Um, but apparently. So there are these two rare plants that were um, on the brink of extinction a couple decades ago, and the park has been bringing them back. So um, it's exciting. There's There are two different really rare species of plants. One is in bloom right now. Well, both are in bloom right now, but one you can see, and one um, is inaccessible. There are about a thousand of them, and um, they're, they are they are scientists are expanding the range of those so the first one that you can see uh is called the cow silver sword um
1: and we saw this do you remember this was i don't remember (laughs) yeah we saw this in haleakala national park in maui on the very top of the Uh, mountain okay it was in the little parking lot you know in the island uh where you turned around and... Are you sure
0: it was the same kind of silver sword?
1: Oh, because this no. one
0: can only be found on Hawaii Volcanoes National Park and nowhere else in the world. Okay, I never think, mind. According to the article, according to the article, these are two endemic species, so they can only be found here. Um, but the cow silver sword it can be seen from the uh, Mauna Loa, so that's the second highest peak in the park, or in the on the whole island, in all of Hawaii. Um, so it can be seen on the road up to Mauna Loa. And then the other one is called the Pele uh, Lobiliad, something like that. I don't know how I'm, i might not be pronouncing that correctly. And that one can be seen right now in an inaccessible area of the park. But like I said, scientists are working to expand their range. So I, I just thought this was interesting um, because it it taps into this diff- this part of the park that I don't think people think of most of the time. When they think of national parks, they think of, big right they think of big mountains they think of these sweeping views and even some of the trees that we're going to be talking about today that's you know they're huge and people think about the vastness of the national parks but
1: or the wildlife or the wildlife the, the yeah. really
0: or the bears cool and the moose. wildlife yeah so people don't think about these littler things that are being done in the national parks that are so unique and so rare and so important to 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 the continuing of our ecosystems.
1: Yeah, and so that's why we're talking about two of the national parks where you have to talk about the uh, plants because it's in the name. So, (laughs) you doing all right there? Yeah,
0: my green tea is really gross.
1: It turned on you?
0: Yeah, it's like bitter.
1: You should have tried my chocolate milk. (laughs) It was delicious.
0: (laughs) Oh, I don't know. It's all gone now, though. So, what I was thinking, I think I remember. You missed your chance. I I remember that I was older than twelve.
1: So, anyway, plants, (laughs) plant national parks, um, because we are on our theme. Just a reminder of why are the parks parks, and today we're talking about plants and protecting these really unique, fascinating um, plants.
0: But first, a quick overview about plants in the national parks. So I, on findyourpark.com, I found an interesting list of other famous trees within the national parks that you can go see. And you can, it's kind of like a cool bucket list thing. Um, But there are, so some of the ones that we saw, we saw bristlecone trees in Great Basin. And those are uh, among the oldest trees in the world, the oldest um, species of tree in the world. And some of the oldest can be found in Great Basin, I think the The oldest is in a grove in California, I read that. Okay. Um, the but and it's an undisclosed one of those secret sure. trees. That, sure. Of course they won't tell where it is. Um, but we saw some several thousand year old trees in Great Basin.
1: Then there's also your Joshua trees yep. in Joshua Tree National Park, and those are your Dr. Seuss style trees that look like kind of a cacti palm tree hybrid
0: and aren't they actually not trees which is yeah, interesting I think they're, they're actually a shrub. a shrub yeah um but they you know they're called trees they look like trees um there's the world's tallest tree in redwood national park
1: that's right hyperion
0: mm-hmm. and then there's also a few interesting there's the national christmas tree in but which is uh like lit up and it's at the white house And there's also, this was just on the list, there's also something interesting called, um, in Manassas National Battlefield in Virginia, there are witness trees. And they point out these trees that are are over 150 years old that would have been around to witness the Civil War um, and the battles in that area. So lots of cool trees in the national parks. Specifically, Let's talk about our first park today. The first park we came across would be Suaro, which is not actually a tree. Whoops. <laughs>
1: That's right. It still fits. It's the cacti, the most famous cacti family. Um, they're the ones that you think of when you think of a cactus. They're you know, on the Arizona license plate. They look like, you know, a fork, a huge fork or something. I'm sure you know what they look like.
0: They're big. They're huge. They're yeah. the largest cacti.
1: Yeah, I had no idea they were so big, and I also had no idea that they were. They came in so many forms and shapes and sizes.
0: We had a fun time naming them. Yeah. That's an optional activity for you <laughs> in the <laughs> national park. Um, so, so Suaro National Park is located in Tucson, Arizona. So it's really close to this pretty big city and it's actually separated into two districts on either side of Tucson. So to the, just to the east of Tucson and just to the west of Tucson um, are the two, the east and the west districts.
1: And we went west first, which I think is the more popular uh, section mm-hmm. and it's a, a little more uh, compact and what we did there was we first did a couple of ranger programs, got oriented at the visitor center and everything, but then pretty quickly got out on the trail. We we did some hiking to petroglyphs.
0: Yes, yeah, Signal Mountain mm-hmm. is what that was called, um, and yeah, and we saw petroglyphs.
1: And they're interesting because usually they're on a you know a wall or in. on a cliff or a cave or something but these were just on a bunch of
0: pile of rocks
1: yeah rubble basically Mm -hmm. that hadn't moved for hundreds of years so they still had all their carvings you know facing every which way so that was that was really cool just to explore and see them everywhere throughout the hike and, of course, while we were finding the petroglyphs, we also found plenty of the cacti all mm-hmm. around.
0: And we had been hiking around sunset, and that was a really cool time to be in that area. Um, we did the scenic drive. There's like a, a famous scenic loop drive around the the West District, and we did that at right at sunset. And it just gave us the really pretty silhouette with the desert uh, backdrop. Um, it was an Awesome way to finish. I think that was, our, I guess, our first day at the park.
1: Yeah. And if you remember, we were actually driving around way into the sunset when it was getting pretty dark because we were trying to hunt down these two specific cactuses that um, my uh, relatives went and found two specific um two specific cactuses they gave us
0: a scavenger and hunt and they
1: gave us a sca- scavenger hunt so that was super fun to do that and they promised cheesecake factory uh as a dinner on the line if we found these uh
0: two random spots that they took pictures in along the scenic drive and right. they delivered we did get yeah. cheesecake factory that so was that was important. kind of a fun welcome that's the home important part we, the when we got back
1: to St. Louis. Yeah. It was a really fun welcome home dinner that they took us out to. So, um,
0: so that was the, about the West. I would I would say. And the, and the yeah, East, that was my
1: favorite part, hunting down those oh, cacti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's but just that a fun much thing. Wraps like up
0: the West.
1: Do that if you have some friends who are going there, and you are going there yourself. Mm-hmm. Yourself, it's it's just super fun. Um, and
0: then the East. For east. us, our big our big activity in the east was to go backpacking. So the the um, Rincon, Rincon, yeah, Rincon mountains. Right. Um, we wanted to do a little loop around the mountains. So we went up out of the uh, Suaro area into the mountain area, and then looped back around and finished back among the Suaros. So we did a short loop. It was about. I mean, it wasn't too short. It was probably about eighteen miles or so. Um, we did yeah about eight or nine each day and uh, it was way colder than we thought it was gonna be
1: yeah we because froze we froze do you remember in... the story
0: about the shirt i think that's a funny oh, story oh
1: yeah tell. yeah go so for it here's
0: how here so we started our hike and along a few miles into our hike we passed a group of people and one of the one of the ladies stopped us and she was like Oh, are you headed over to this area and we're like yeah we're we're gonna split off at that junction to go uh further along the trail and she said well you look for a shirt i left um my jacket at, at that rock the waterfall at the waterfall yeah at the waterfall and and she was like just drop it like we'll we'll be around so just if you if you see it if you could just bring it to the visitor center tomorrow um like that would be well i'll, I'll just come pick it up tomorrow and we said, of course, yeah, that's fine. And we found the shirt right away and just like threw it, tied it to the, to the back of our pack or something and then continued our way. And we set up our camp at night after we had hiked really h- further elevation, I think higher elevation and harder hike than we thought it was going to be. Um, so we were really tired at night and it was freezing and we were not prepared because it was hot. We were wearing shorts in the lower elevation and all of a sudden, it was really, really cold, and we were slightly unprepared.
1: And it was snow still on the gr- ground. Like, uh, if you go maybe a couple miles past where we were, yeah. if, we, if we had kept going up. Um,
0: so that was our bad. But thankfully, I had a new jacket in, my, <laughs> in our pack.
1: And it that definitely I, got used.
0: I used it. I wore it. It, it, it was, I'm not sure she wanted it to be for that purpose. It was
1: such an old lady's coat, it too. Was a,
0: it was a corduroy, uh, floral, floral corduroy blazer, if you can picture that. So it wasn't like an a athletic jacket. It was like a blazer. Um, but it came in handy and it kept got me through that cold night. So thank you, lady, for leaving your shirt. And we brought it back to the visitor center and I'm sure she picked it up the next day.
1: And all as well never knew
0: she probably never knew she she probably is not listening to this and knows <laughs> that her uh, shirt made it onto the podcast
1: so yeah th- i really wish we could have gone so there are a bunch of different backpacking routes that i wanted to go and we just had to pick you know a pretty simple one but if you can go maybe a little later in the season cuz we were there i suppose in late February Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and if you could go later in the season to where the snow is melted up in the higher elevations you can get some really cool um hikes in and really awesome views from the tops of the mountains so don't underestimate the backpacking there but also don't underestimate the just driving around again another scenic drive type thing through the cacti forest and it's just so fun because there are so many uh, just walk either whether you're walking or driving through them you um see all types of different cacti Mm -hmm. and you can pick out your favorite and you can see the biggest ones and the tallest ones and they get stinking 70 feet tall sometimes um most are 40 to 60. And a couple quick saguaro cacti facts, Um, (laughs) they start growing, and after about eight to ten years, they might not even be one and a half inches tall yet, but over the years, they keep growing taller and taller, and about, I don't, uh, maybe like after they're 20 or 30, uh, probably after 30, they start growing branches. Yep, And then, yeah, those arms... Are the ones that kind of curve up mostly, but some of them just kind of flop down.
0: It depends on the year. It's interesting. It depends on the the um how much water they received that year, and um, if there were other extreme weather issues. Yeah, but sometimes you'll see the yeah. Sometimes you'll see the arms like start to go up, and then they just flop down, and that's you know that just is uh it's it's like a a tree ring. It's like reading the years on a on a tree. Um, but it's much like, more visible. It's
1: like they're all in various stages of dancing and doing the Macarena and the wave. And uh, <laughs> We
0: definitely acted them out a lot.
1: Yeah, and yeah. the ribs, so the cacti have ribs on them, and they expand or contract due to how much water they have, which is really cool. They can also weigh up to 4,800 pounds, so that's almost two and a half tons, and most of that is water. Water, mm-hmm. And another cool thing I just read is that they actually hold their breath all day. Really? They close up their pores during the day so they're not getting losing any water. It's not evaporating out of the cacti. Um, and then they open up the pores at night to suck in carbon dioxide, which they need to hold and use for photosynthesis in the daytime when they can get the sunlight huh so they're
0: funny little guys
1: they're super fascinating they're really
0: interesting plants and really unique to this area of um of arizona you know they're they're found other places but this is the biggest largest density of them
1: and there's also a bunch of you remember that last ranger program we did we did the driving tour Mm -hmm. And they talked about how this one era used to have just an mm-hmm. incredible concentration yeah, they showed back it in the 50s. It, yeah,
0: before and after picture.
1: But since then, it was they were all dying off. Um, and they were really worried that all the mm-hmm. sawaras are going to go extinct. But what they have found out since is that it's more or less a natural cycle of... All the sawaros getting to maturity at at one point and then kind of dying off together, and now it's rejuvenating. yeah. They, it was
0: interesting because usually in those um, in those boards that you see where it's a before and after shot of the same scene, you know, sometimes it's about air quality or or the amount of uh, trees and whatnot. But this one, though it was the, the the before and the after, but then they had another built uh, another picture of today and it actually is improving it's coming back which usually you don't see in those kind of before and after shots so it's actually becoming becoming healthier in that area again Mm -hmm. like it was in the 50s a couple other things um we so there just to note uh we did backpack in the in the east district but there aren't any developed campgrounds in the park, and we stayed at a campground nearby that we loved, and we would highly recommend. And it was called Tucson Mountain Park um, and Gilbert Ray Campground.
1: Love is a strong word. Yeah,
0: I I really liked it. it a good spot because of all the suaros around. Okay, so you are camping okay. among the these giant suaros, um, just right outside your tent flap. Yeah, and that's what I and that was the interesting thing about it. The campground was fine. It was it was basic. It didn't. I mean. The sites were fairly spread out. We had like a, a nice little scenic site. It was the first place we used our air mattress. I remember oh, this yeah. clearly. <laughs> when we switched from our pads that deflated every night uh, to a Walmart air mattress, and we, it was very, very successful. It
1: was game changing. Yeah. We picked it up for $8, and it bested our $80 air pads. Oh, by wonder- far.
0: Wonderfully. We also, um, Took a whole day when we were around this park to go to the Arizona Sonora Desert uh, Museum, and that was a private museum outside of the park. That was, I think, worth the twenty dollars for sure that we paid.
1: Yeah, it was something I'd say really so.
0: different. We usually we didn't do very much, uh, very many things like this throughout our whole year. We really just stuck to the parks, especially anything else that cost money.
1: Yeah, and this was. Fairly expensive 20, for us at the time. Twenty
0: bucks a person, I think twenty dollars and fifty cents maybe. Um, but it's basically like a zoo, like a, a desert zoo. So it had a bunch of different species of animals and plants, and it was really well done. It took it lasted us pretty much the whole day. It had a lot of good programs. It had a, a, a birds of prey program that we went to. We got to see mountain lions. We got to see all sorts of um, animals that. You, know, you, know, you don't see you don't in the see... desert because
1: they're so, right. they're nocturnal they're so or shy. they're hiding. Yeah, so it, it was a great way to see the wildlife that you can't otherwise, that's really unique to that habitat. Uh, so yeah, I would recommend it too. Definitely. Uh, definitely cool for families. Mm-hmm. Uh, the scenery is just kind unique and very and you get to tailored see a lot to of the, the desert
0: labeled that you're going to be able to be especially if you're visiting any other parks in this desert um i think joshua tree is in the same sonora desert um so you can so you can see the you can start learning about some of these cacti and other plants that you're going to encounter
1: yeah so and also just check out tucson because that's a real cool little town we didn't get to see too much of it but we would definitely go back and oh yeah and spend some time there for sure uh so yeah that is saguaro yeah
0: moving right along to our second park we're going to be talking about today which celebrates the largest living things in the world and that is the namesake sequoia national park
1: Right. So Sequoia was actually the third national park established in 1890 Mm -hmm. to protect the Sequoia groves. So these are a specific type of tree that are a a lot like redwoods. Mm -hmm. Uh, So redwoods are actually a type of Sequoia and this is a different type of sequoia that's really native to sequoia and king's canyon and the sierras around this area. There's a few in in Yosemite, a grove in Yosemite National Park as well, but this park has kind of the highest concentration of all the biggest trees, and that's what everybody goes for. The, basically, side note is that it's in a gorgeous setting of the Sierra Nevadas. The mountains there are incredible, but...
0: So much more to offer than just these trees. Yeah, This, I think, is why it was established and what brings people to the park. But then there's just so much more that you can see. So hopefully you spend more than just a day um, here, but I know a lot of people just come in and spend a day and leave. But there's just... If you take the time to... Um, you know, open open up your schedule a little bit. There's a lot more to do in the park, even even in the winter. When we visited, it was March, I believe, March, middle mm-hmm. of middle of March, right. and we found still still we found so much to do.
1: Right. So there's some actual low elevation, lower elevation hikes. Uh, our favorite was Marble Falls.
0: Yep, seven point four miles round trip.
1: Mm hmm. And then there's also a low elevation campsite that was really nice.
0: And that uh, I I would highly, highly, highly recommend. It was one of the prettiest campsites. Looking back at the pictures, it overlooks a lake. It was low enough to camp in March comfortably um, in the mountains. So that's a pretty big deal. It was called uh, Tool Success Lake. And it was a... What? You're looking at me weird. Yeah, It was a so Corps of Engineer
1: okay yeah it's a corps of engineer campground it's Mm -hmm. not actually in the national park no
0: it's outside of the national park sorry if we did not make that clear it's an alternative campsite so when we first arrived the the it was in the afternoon and so the the campgrounds that were first come first serve at the time because of the season because of it being march um those were full and there was only one that was open and so we drove out of the park and we drove down to this corps of engineer campground it was cheap it was beautiful um and it got us through for one night so and then we
1: got to the campground the next day so the campground's good too uh there's uh, so if you go a little past the lower elevation stuff you kind of get into the mid elevations and that's where the huge sequoias start because they're at a very specific elevation yeah um you can't get too low into the foothills uh you kind of get them in that mid range and it's the uh, f- giant forest mm-hmm. is the name of the yep. area And they have a whole museum there, so it's really easy access. You park, huge parking lot, lots of people at the Giant's Forest. And you can see a lot of the trees close by. They're all around, so you you can't miss them. And you can see um, General Sherman right there off the road as well. So that's the biggest uh, tree and that's the
0: largest living thing in the world. Yeah. I think that's worth worth repeating. General Sherman, this giant tree. Um it's labeled and it's very clearly marked and it's um you know, it's really close. It's about a quarter mile off the road and or less maybe. And so it's really easy to access for people. Um it's part of the Congress Trail loop area which we'd also really recommend. We did a 5 mile Loop around the congress trail and this it was it, it was covered in snow, but they have a cross-country skiing trail So they have marks that are higher up on the trees um, So it, it was easy to follow in the Winter and I believe you just looked up some information about general Sherman you want to share
1: that? so when we say it's big we mean it's 275 feet tall and at the base it has a diameter of 36 and a half feet. So that's gigantic. I, so you're
0: not going to hug that tree.
1: <laughs> Eight <laughs> of you aren't going to hug try. that tree. Yeah, it's yeah.
0: so big. It's massive. But a lot of the trees around General Sherman are also gigantic. Um, so if you get away from... This is obviously where the crowds are going to congregate. So if you just hike a little bit away, you're going to encounter all of these other crazy gigantic trees um, and you'll have them all to yourselves.
1: And they won't be fenced off like General Sherman and they won't have the paved path around them. So it's just so much uh, more powerful to be walking through these giants on a natural trail mm-hmm. um, all on your own and even through the snow like we were, which was something extra cool
0: extra re, re, very cool and it was easy to follow because of the because of the cross-country trail in that area was marked on the trees so it wasn't you know even though it was covered in snow it was still easy to follow we'd also recommend moro rock which is a, a popular place to climb up it's about a quarter mile from the the maybe a quarter mile i don't know from the parking lot up you can climb actually up on top of the rock and get an amazing view of the sierra nevadas we would recommend we actually parked at the giant forest museum and hiked to moro rock which is not very far from the visitor center but you get this great lead up with all of the giant trees and then up climbing up this rock
1: And you can even see it really well if you want a picture of Moro Rock itself without being on top of it. Because on top of it gets you really cool views, but it's a really beautiful feature in itself. So as you're hiking up to it from the visitor center, there's a little turnoff uh, that...
0: On the opposite side of the parking lot from where you access the rock. So just kind of like walk to the other side of the parking lot and then you'll see this little trail it's about a quarter mile up, you climb, 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 and there's an, a great over it just all opens up and you can see more, you can get a great view of Moro Rock from this other vantage point which I don't think very many people knew about. Um, so that's a little a little insider tip for you.
1: And actually the stairway of Moro Rock itself is Named on the National Register of Historic Places. Did you know that? I didn't. Yeah, it was built by the Civilian Conservation Corps. And
0: CCC, they just did everything.
1: Yeah, 400 steps just cut straight into this rock that looks a lot like Half Dome and also gives you a gorgeous view from the top. That was actually the first time in our trip that we saw snow-capped mountains. Yeah so
0: our in and this was already march we had gone a uh, august through march and i guess we had i mean we spent that was basically the end of our winter so we had spent a lot of time in the in in non-mountainous parks we saw a lot of snow caps from here on out
1: <laughs> right basically nothing but snow yeah. caps, it seemed like
0: yeah so besides the the lower elevation and the, the spring activities that we were able to do, there are some areas that we would love to go back to. So we've heard the Mineral King area is really, really good for hiking and camping. Um, there's a cave called Crystal Cave that was closed when we were there. There's, of course, the John Muir Trail runs through Sequoia and King's Canyon National Parks. Um, and along there is actually the furthest point a walkable point so a point on a trail it's the furthest point from any road that you can walk to in the whole lower 48 which i think is pretty cool um because obviously there are parts in alaska where you can that are very 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 far away from roads (laughs) um but this is the furthest point you can hike to from any road in the lower 48
1: so fun fact yeah i love that one So you just have to see these trees to believe them is my takeaway. Uh, And it's just so worth it. Like don't, but don't just go for the trees. Also make sure you spend plenty of time to take some of those longer trails and get out to the mountains um, because the Sierras are incredible and you just get that whole, pine fresh mm-hmm. feel from being you know walking on the pine needles of the sequoias and kind of like the sawaros they're all s- fairly different you know you have ones that have huge fire scars and ones that the fire's actually left a hollow in the inside so you can go in and look up and it's just completely hollowed out um, or there's skeletons of burned down Trees, or there's
0: there's the tunnel house,
1: the tunnel house, the log
0: cabin that someone built inside of a fallen tree. So they just, you know, they're like, I don't want to build a whole house, so I'm gonna dig out this fallen fallen sequoia and uh build a tr- a house inside this log.
1: Yeah, and then there's little baby sequoias too that you might find.
0: Oh, they're so the, cute. There's
1: the sequoia pine cones, which I loved. Because uh, they're just so small compared to their giant, like offspring, mm-hmm. um, they're actually what is. This is another fun fact. They're the cone that is on the park ranger's hat, is the sequoia.
0: Yes, you're right.
1: So on the little, I think it's the leather band that goes around their hat. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Has the sequoia pine cone. So
0: really important trees. Really awesome gigantic, immense in a way that you do not, you cannot understand unless you are standing underneath them. Um, And just something you'll never forget for sure. Thank you, National Parks, (laughs) for protecting these amazing trees.
1: That's right. So basically make sure you think outside the classic mountain vistas to our plant-based friends. Trees (laughs) can offer some amazing insight into why the parks are parks and what makes an ecosystem work and what allows us to breathe oxygen, maybe. (laughs) So we think they're just as important, if not as hyped. And uh, we, I don't know, I, I always love just getting back to to checking out the plants and and the smaller things the less the less uh in your face mm-hmm. wonders of the national parks
0: beautiful so thanks for checking us out today guys we will be back next week with another interview we're moving on we're going to be starting a new topic soon so stay tuned next week for our interview
1: And if you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love for you to share us with a friend, give us a rating on iTunes or SoundCloud, or find us on social media. And you can always get additional National Parks videos, posts, guides, and more on our blog at SwitchbackKids.com. Switchbacks out.